Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Tara Boyce. Tara is host of the podcast, Addicted to Recovery. We have an amazing conversation about addiction, recovery, mental health, and all of its links to spirituality. It's a really good one. I hope you guys enjoy. Check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Tara Boyce. Hey, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here today with Tara Boyce. Tara, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Wonderful to be here. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you. Uh, your podcast is called Addicted to Recovery. Um, you have a really cool story. Uh, well, just a really in- inspiring story about uh, your kind of your recovery and your struggles with it. And uh, honestly, everything about your story is kind of like is perfect for my podcast. So I'm excited to have you on. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, how long have you been doing the your own podcast for? Like what made you feel like I wanted to share this with the world? Uh, uh, about a year and a half now. It uh, After I was sober for a little while, um, I started writing. I've been a writer for longer than I've, you know, for a very long time. I, I studied in university and I also just enjoyed it my entire life. So I started writing a kind of memoir of my experience in active addiction, kind of as, uh, you know, with the objective of having a complete finished memoir at some point. But I think it was also a therapeutic way of trying to put that that part of my life that part of my life when I was drinking actively into the past tense making those chapters of my life then you Mm. know so it was very powerful for me to be able to kind of reprocess it in that way Um, but I've always had a hard time taking things from project form to execution form like you know i've i have a musical i've half written i have no idea what i'm going to do with that i have numerous other writing projects i even have this this desire to do stand-up comedy inside of me but i i haven't been able to come up with like the perfect five minute monologue to get it to get it going um (laughs) so i thought okay so what's gonna happen i'm gonna write this book and then what's you know how am i gonna get an editor like how am i gonna self-publish i've never been very entrepreneurial So, and at that time, I was just listening to so many podcasts about spirituality, addiction, self-help, all that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, what if I just released the book as a podcast? Because that's how I'm ingesting a lot of my, my goods these days, too. And I could just release a chapter at a time. uh, And then I can kind of talk about the issues surrounding it. And yeah, it was, it, it was a, it's, it's been a really, really fun thing to do because it's 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 a different type of engagement you don't have this finished product of saying like okay well here is my book that is explaining you know what addiction was to me and because like as i've been changing even over the last year and a half i'm able to kind of like reflect on the experiences differently and kind of have some you know different Mm -hmm. perspectives yeah no that's awesome and uh i know what you're kind of talking about when you actually write about it and like kind of go back into your memory it can be a very therapeutic thing right i think that's a great great thing for everybody um Mm -hmm. and it's definitely like hearing other people's stories because like i know that you say like you're self-taught and like mental health addiction spirituality so it's like you went and seeked out that knowledge correct like that's how you kind of like helped yourself almost yeah, uh, well, I not ex- not completely. I mean, I, I was I actually went to rehab many times. I went to rehab twelve times, I believe, inpatient. Oh wow! And uh, it just never stuck for me. And then when I the last time I went to rehab about three and a half years ago, a little longer than that, I I started going to twelve step meetings quite religiously. <laughs> no pun intended. And it was there that I was sort of confronted with 
this notion that in order to stay sober, I was going to have to find some kind of spirituality within me, which I interpreted as find God or you're going to die. Yeah. Because yeah, so, yeah. I, I had never been sober for longer than like a month outside of rehab before. So the idea that I was actually staying sober longer, um, you know, and it had and it had to do certainly somewhat with going to these meetings. I was like, okay, but if I don't get it, I'm going to relapse and die. So uh, it was kind of a, a you know a fear based um, search. Part of it was was a, a kind of form of taking my mental health into my own hands and doing a lot of reading and doing a lot of trying to put better thoughts in my head than I would have by myself by listening to podcasts and audiobooks and stuff. But some of it was kind of like if I don't find out the answers, you know, I'm going to die. Mm. And I don't know if like the kind of spiritual gaslighting was like intentional in a way, you know, mm -hmm. because I just feel that most of the people in, in the 12 step tradition come from a good place of, you know, they've, you know, they've had certain experiences of maybe a, a spiritual breakthrough or a reconnection with divinity and that, and they believe that's responsible for their ongoing recovery. And that's great. But for me, I, I thought that there was this pressure on me to have a kind of experience of the world that I didn't have. Yeah, of you know? course. Yeah. That has to like, uh, no, that has to be tough. Like, especially when they're kind of telling you, like, this is kind of your answer to recovery. Because mm -hmm. no, like nothing else had worked. I had been to 12 step meetings in one of the other many times that I had you know, gone to rehab and gotten out and, um, and it never clicked with me. And a large part of it was because of this idea of a higher power or, or God. And I thought, well, okay, well, maybe this is a me thing. You know, maybe I have to figure this out. And it was kind of a lot of pressure to put on oneself that I am personally going to find God, because I'm pretty sure people have been trying to do that for the last, well, recorded history. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't really have a, a definitive um, empirical answer to those questions. But I thought that if I had to do that myself. You know? Yeah. So like, can you take us back then? Like if you went in and out of rehab all these times, um, like just like if you go back to those times, like do you kind of remember like where you were at every time you kind of went in and out? Was it kind of the same every time? Like, was it the same kind of patterns or was it like different every time you go into rehab? Yeah, I, I think it was, it was different in, in many ways because my level of commitment to change changed mm. as my, my life fell apart more and more. Um, but also the, the types of needs that I had would, would change as well. Cause when, I was drinking very heavily in my early 20s, for example, a lot of it was motivated by a desire to fit in socially or to be part of this, uh, or I was at university in creative writing and to kind of, and the alcoholic writer is a cliche for a reason. <laughs> so yeah, the desire to like feel cool and fit in with that scene, uh, that, that was very motivating to me when I was young. Um, and then going to rehab because my life was falling apart getting out the idea that I could no longer meet those other needs of feeling like fitting in, you know, that was, that was too much for me. Um, but then you fast forward about 10 years and I don't give it, I don't give, a, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear, but I don't care anymore yeah, about just... fitting in socially because I'm drinking in bathroom stalls and like, you know, and like just, uh, you know, by myself all the time, just my bottle of vodka in my bag. And it's, it's no longer about, you know, like al alcohol is pretty much erased to my social life because n even amongst the drunk people, I'm too much of a liability. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then my need is to just kind of like not die, and and that kind of, that sort of changes the the stakes quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, I would go into rehab, and it it would artificially meet a lot of my needs. It would artificially, uh, you know, meet my needs for a sense of purpose, a sense of structure, a sense of connectedness, because, you know, you have this schedule, you have to, you know, be at breakfast at that time, be in your group therapy at that time, you're around all these people, you're processing your feelings, you're being told that your feelings are important. Mm -hmm. um, so all these needs are being met by the rehab itself. And then for myself, I would get out and all the reasons I was drinking would still be there, minus all the things that were keeping me busy. And plus just the locked door aspect helps too, 
Right. Uh, that's uh, that's very insightful, actually. And like when you said connectedness and structure, I, I can mm-hmm. I completely relate to that myself. And like I, I understand that too. Like I, I know when you get that in your life, and uh, it it can make be a little bit easier to get off of substances and like be a little bit on point. But uh, I know what you're saying, especially like I'm a comedian, so I I have my own like. Uh, like I think uh, me and you probably have kind of similar lives and if you're a writer and stuff like in uh, how we kind of like lay out our day but it can have like a little bit less of um structure you know and it can also have uh it can also be a little less in the connectedness as well because it both like creative fields require a lot of uh just being by yourself and like listening to Mm -hmm. yourself to like get that creative energy out of you so I can completely understand that um so when you got that like a little bit of that insight like these are things you needed like this is stuff that's offered in rehab that's helping you and like but I don't have it in my regular life how did you bring that into your regular life um well most of the time I didn't hence the going to rehab 12 times (laughs) Um, I was just so like I was just getting worse and worse and worse at life like every time I would go through a uh a relapse rehab cycle because once again the center would be doing all these things for me I would get out and most of my relationships were messed up um, if I had been if I had had a job I usually would have lost it if I had been in school I usually would have been kicked out so like um, all the things all and I didn't really know how to rebuild and I didn't really yeah and it takes a lot and it takes a, and it takes time it, it mm. takes a long time to kind of navigate the waters of life uh and without having and nobody tells you what to do you know like it's not like life is like a video game where you get these things on the map that are lit up in green it's like this is where you go and this is your quest and these are these are your stats and these are the these are the rewards you're gonna get they're they're just it just seems so overwhelming at a point i think the desire to go back to drinking was because the project of figuring out how to live just seemed way too hard Mm. Um, and it also felt that <clears throat> most of my skills were creative in nature and alcohol kind of killed my creativity too. Um, okay. and it also linked it up and like, well, I don't know how to write without drinking anymore. Um, you know, and <laughs> so that, that was a problem. I can now obviously. And then I'm like, well, what about the other things? I got, you know, got kicked out of school, couldn't hold a job. So I just felt like I didn't feel like I could find a place in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess when it kind of worked better this time was just sort of stubbornly going to those 12-step meetings and also outpatient meetings and also um you know work with a therapist work with a sponsor just kind of like doing all those things come to the point where I was just busy all the time for the first well I, I was pretty pretty busy with all that for like the first six months to a year I was doing a lot of that and that helped with the social connectedness part. And it also helped with the void, you know, of like, what am I going to do with myself today? Mm. Um, and also this feeling of fragility. Like, it's like, I felt like I was too fragile to get it, you know, to like, just jump back into my, and my age too. I didn't really want to start working at McDonald's or Starbucks. So, um, so yeah, just kind of getting that uh, connectedness until I could get, the, my confidence back and my brain back and the realizations that I could do things and that feelings weren't going to kill me, you mm. know, like all those things, it just took a really long time. And I think a lot of it too was just a, a lot of luck, you know, mm. like I, I happened to meet some good people the last time I went to rehab that I started to see at meetings. So I felt a sense of safety. I was also put on a medication that really helped me a lot with my anxiety so I felt like the the urge to drink was somewhat less sharp it was dull mm-hmm. a little bit so I I often find when people talk about like you know what worked it's so personal because it's just kind of like the alchemy of all these factors and whether or not they happen to be in place or not you mm-hmm. know, a lot of it has to do with will a lot of it has to do with like a lot of other things or maybe god if that's your jam but um a lot of it has to do with luck i think mm-hmm. if i hadn't gone to like you know if i hadn't been 
messed up in this particular way on this particular day. I wouldn't have ended up in this particular hospital where I would have gotten an appointment with this particular doctor who would have prescribed me this particular medication that I had never heard of before and then fast-tracked me to a rehab where I would have met this person, you know? So it's just like all these, all these kind of things that happened that made the formula of recovery possible. Like, I didn't choose most of them. Mm. No, I can see that. And that's uh, actually, that's like a very mature way to look at it too. Like kind of like be like, there's a ton of luck involved in that. Yeah. I um, The one thing you mentioned about like creativity, um, I know this as a comedian, like sometimes when I was drinking a lot, I would like, um, in my head, I would almost think like, oh, how am I going to go on stage without having like a little bit of a buzz, you know, like, mm. I just feel like I'm not funny enough. And like, I would also talk about like, when I wrote, I would like have to smoke weed to write like and in my head I was just like oh how am I going to write if I'm not like a little bit high kind of thing and it did it, it, it did take a while to like get that out of my uh system and like once I did quit those substances like I I do remember uh like for a while like trying to write without it it was just so tough like how 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 was it with you like trying to like do navigate your creativity and like your substance abuse well, it it took a long time just for the just for the brain fog to to dissipate, and also the um just the emotional dysregulation, you know, because the drink I would say drinking for me it never actually made me a better writer, but it it helped me focus and it also a kind of calmed down the inner critic in my head. So that's mm. that's what it did in that capacity, but um when you've been drinking to manage all your emotions and and all your discomforts for like you know 15 years and then all of a sudden you're not it just takes a while for um to just like be able to focus on anything first of all and also to um it's like this whirlwind of conflicting emotions in your head and then you for me i would start to feel like well this is the way it just feels to be sober like i'm never gonna feel at peace ever again this mm -hmm. is sucks but um i think just kind of making making peace with the idea that the alternative sucked more um and i'm like okay well maybe i'll just never be able to write again but then i just kind of started slowly <clears throat> just as like a just as like actually <laughs> actually you know what i think what happened was i i, I was into some uh, jordan peterson uh, content mm -hmm. at, at the time i was really enjoying his his politics aside i was really enjoying his uh, biblical series and and uh, because I was trying to find God. Um, <laughs> and, and I figure, okay, well, maybe if I'm listening to a more like highbrow intellectual, uh, psychological kind of breakdown of the relevance of the Bible, I can come to appreciate it. And that'll be my pathway to uh, to getting good with Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed his stuff. And then I found out about his like self-authoring program, uh, where you, bas you just basically give him 40 bucks to like give you a template to write about your past and present and future. It was a bit of a ripoff, but it got me going, you know? And because I, w because I wasn't initially doing it as a creative project, I was doing it as a therapeutic project. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, it's like, I didn't have that same level of you know these voices in my head saying like oh you're never you know you're all washed up you're never gonna you're never gonna be as good as you used to it's like you're not a you're not a writer anymore and like all those types of you know things they weren't really as present in my head because I was writing a therapeutic exercise about like processing my past and everything and that was how I started writing my my book and I'm like well you know some of this writing that I'm doing for this Jordan Peterson thing is actually pretty good I can just transfer this into this other document and maybe elaborate on it a little bit and then all of a sudden pages and pages and pages just started happening mm -hmm. that's uh, it's interesting and you know what like I took that self-authoring course from Jordan Peterson as well <laughs> and uh it's like I know what you're saying like it is kind of like a little bit of a ripoff but at the same time it's also like uh it's also like great like it's uh maybe it's, mm -hmm. it's not a ripoff at all yeah i know but like at, at the end of the day it's like uh if you haven't uh like it just teaches you how to like write and look at your life and like yeah uh, kind of like look forward look backwards look at your present and like I, I thought that was uh i thought it was pretty helpful in that sense and like i know what you're saying like you got your juices kind of flowing yeah so even though i didn't actually finish the self-authoring program i stayed in the the past section and I would like to 
finishes at some point. Um, the fact that I had actually paid money for it made me do it, at mm-hmm. least start doing it. Yeah, and yeah. from that, you know, and from that arose all this other stuff. So I think it was, you know, in that sense, it was the best $40 I ever spent. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's probably uh, not probably right to call it a ripoff. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, and like, so you've been talking a little bit about like kind of your mental health issues with your addiction. And like, the more I like have people on this podcast and we talk about like trauma, addiction, uh, mental health and stuff, I kind of noticed like a lot of, uh, a lot of addictions or substance abuse. It seems to be a lot of people are using it to, to self-regulate their emotions and like, um, whether it's like anxiety or just help them focus or whatever it is. So like for yourself, it, it seems like you did have like kind of like an underlying anxiety that was kind of always there and like alcohol kind of helped calm it down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I believe that I've kind of had this deep rooted, almost existential anxiety for as long as I realized that I was mortal um like i i think i remember being like six years old and like realizing that i was gonna die and just feeling this like ripple of panic go through my body like just realizing that i was that this existence was temporary and that there was nothing i could do about that um it's kind of a little morbid for a six-year-old really Um, (laughs) yeah i guess so (laughs) yeah (laughs) but and and then just like a lot of a lot of fears of um, inadequacy. Like I, I was often uh, praised for my my abilities, mm. which is nice. I'm not, um, but at the same time, like I always felt like you know I had to measure up to, you know, like this talent that people saw in me that maybe I didn't necessarily fully believe in to to have a right to take up space or to be, you know, mm. like I didn't. I, I never really had any confidence based on who I was. It was kind of based on like what I could do. Mm. Um, and I also was very socially awkward and I was, I was, I very much cherished sort of like one-on-one uh, social dynamics where I could really connect with someone on a deeper level, but you put me in a group and I would become this weird, grotesque caricature of myself because I didn't know how to act you know and then alcohol just kind of bridged the gap between me embodying this other character this persona and just made it so much easier and then at a point the line between you know what i believed was kind of my baseline self who i did not like very much and this persona started to blur but then as the alcoholism increases in its magnitude that persona becomes very dark you know, like, you know, it starts off being this kind of fun persona, but then it can become this very destructive and self-destructive and um, mean-spirited persona, mm. you know? And then those identities sort of merge too. Because I feel like there's a lot of language about, particularly for people who don't necessarily have an alcohol problem, about how, you know, alcohol is the thing that loosens you up to make you do the things you want to do anyways. Like, you know, every single romantic comedy has this scene where the people are pretending that they don't want to hook up and then they get drunk and all of a sudden they hook up and they're like, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, <clears throat> so yeah. So the, the problem is the more I became, the more time I spent inhabiting uh, this kind of darker version of myself, the more I internalized a lot of shame and self-loathing and the more I had to medicate those feelings of shame and self-loathing mm. and the more alienated I came, I became from, uh, who I was when I was sober. And that person also changed a lot because I was spending so much, because I wasn't spending so much time with her. It was just, that was just kind of like the holding cell. Like my sobriety was just kind of like the holding cell until I could be drunk again and then be me. Mm, That's, uh, that's so interesting. And like, uh, the way you describe that is like, it just kind of seems like a loop that constantly just kind of gets like a negative feedback loop that just kind of gets you into a deeper and deeper into an addiction because you just keep getting more shame and guilt and then having more issues that you need to kind of like drink to cover yeah yeah absolutely 
that's uh no that's uh interesting and like I, I like a lot of those feelings i think like most of us can identify with like pretty well like uh, especially when you were saying like the feelings of in 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 adequacy and adequacy <laughs> like i can in say that word <laughs> <laughs> um i know those feelings so well and i think everybody does and i think our culture just kind of like pushes those out on a lot of us but uh I, I know how destructive those fe uh, feelings can be, especially when you're trying to create something or trying to do something in your life. Like if you don't feel that, uh, if you feel that inadequacy, like in your whole body, it just makes you not want to do anything. It mm -hmm. makes you not want to go make connections with other people. It makes like, it can make your life so hard. Um, when you kind of felt those feelings and like wanted to actually deal with them, did you have a kind of process to deal with them? I know it probably takes time, but you mean like um um this time around yeah like uh when when you like yeah it, this time around for sure um yeah i i would say that i i did go through the the 12-step process and and that was helpful um like the fourth and and fifth steps you do a lot of self-exploration into the nature of your relationships uh, and also just getting to Getting to know people and letting other people get to know me sober was interesting and weird. But uh, writing was uh, was a really, really big part of it too. Like just um, in the in the therapeutic context, but also just you know writing writing the book and sort of like really exploring uh, on a deeper level where like you know, where a lot of those feelings where a lot of those feelings came from and also fueling when I was when I was doing a lot of that writing, I was listening to a lot of podcasts on addiction, and I was listening to a lot of podcasts on, on mental health and things like that, and trying to get a, a better intellectual understanding of the of certain phenomenons. Um, and, and the spirituality aspect, though, like listening to like reading some a lot of spiritual literature, and even though it came from a place of like existential panic, um, <laughs> really helped me find some ways of thinking about my place in the world that were that were a lot less hostile you know uh, than just thinking like you know it's just a matter of me needing to prove my worth and hold on for dear life until i die you know mm -hmm. um that's and even though i did not i didn't find like the one tradition that i felt like answered all my questions i i felt like just just like all the all the exploration I did really allowed me to find better ways of thinking about those things. Sorry, just <coughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's uh, I like that. Um, so now that you kind of had this process going on for a while, do you have like any kind of like habits <clears throat> or like things that you try to do a lot of the time to <clears throat> kind of reinforce these structures? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there is a, I do do some meditation, um, uh, but I find that now I, I, I got the Sam Harris waking up app. Sam Harris really helped me out a lot, actually. Um, uh, I got his book waking up and just sort of by accident and read it through and it really helped me reconcile the idea that I could have like a deep connection with spirituality without any sort of dogma attached mm -hmm. to it. Um, and that really opened my mind because I used to think spirituality was this like, you know, this kind of like new agey kind of ways of, I don't know. I just associated it with like this, uh, int like this intellectually barren, um, flaky LA floral skirts and crystals kind of like, <laughs> oh, I believe that my cat is, is a spirit. Like, I don't know, like all that kind of stuff that you sort of see in satire of, of, mm -hmm. of like new age kind of, um, yeah. So I, I've never really had any respect for, for that, but I didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, no, yeah. that's uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, the Waking Up was an amazing book, and like I know a lot of what uh, Sam Harris is doing now. I like, I really like that. And uh, no, I think that finding that spirituality, even like without the like any kind of dogma or any of that stuff around it, can be so important for people. So like mm -hmm. when you did go through that last uh, time in rehab, like where where did you come along with like your spirituality? Like where where was it like? I found this happy medium where it's like, 
I can have some sort of spirituality, but I don't need to like believe in shit that I don't believe in. Yeah, well, it's a you know, it's a it's an ongoing process. I I feel like excuse me, I I feel like I've always had this um kind of spiritual thirst and curiosity. I I, I guess it was more just like this hunger for meaning and a hunger to belong to a a greater context in some way and you know so uh, or even like to be consoled that um that that my life means something and when i was a kid i you know i always just kind of assumed that god existed because no one told me any differently kind of like you know, kind of like the weather or, you know, the monarchy. It was just something that was there. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you believe in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, someone told me, uh, one of my friend's moms told me, like, well, I don't believe in God. I don't I don't have any evidence that there's a God. And I was like, you need evidence? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> like, and then I was like, well, you know, it's true. My parents have never really explicitly explained any of this to me. We were we were non-religious Christians. Like we had a Christmas tree on Christmas, but like we didn't we didn't uh, respect any of the yeah know, yeah the, the we don't have rosaries or we didn't go to church any of that kind of stuff. So I started kind of like full on panicking and and then I saw then my teacher in grade five. Um, uh, showed us Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, this is great. I thought it was one of the greatest things I had ever seen before. And it kind of, it kind of cleared up my, um, my, my theological confusion because I was like, well, this is so powerful. God must exist. This is a great musical. <laughs> so then I pulled out my dad's musty Bible that he kept in like, I don't know, the, like the furnace room. And I, and I expected it to be almost like Jesus Christ Superstar fan fiction. You know, like I, I thought it was going to be like, you know, maybe like the origin story of Mary Magdalene back when she was a prostitute and it would be all kind of racy and cool. And like, you know, almost like Ju Jesus and Judas's bromance before, before the trail and i was imagining all this stuff and i was just like well this is weird and boring <laughs> um so then i was like well where like where to where to find where to find the answers then um and i still love jesus christ superstar but uh, <laughs> and then i just kind of like decided to do what teenagers do and be all like i love nietzsche <laughs> 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 um, and like i love i love the existentialists and like there is no god and anyone who believes in god is stupid and like i like i like metal um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i was coming kind of coming from that almost contemptuous discipline um, like um like almost atheistic contempt when i um this time sorry i, I kind of like got got on a little no know, no i actually where i lost lost my place a little bit but like but yeah sort of like the hunger was there but instead of like um but i i never found the answers where i was looking for them so then my answer to that was just to like dismiss it completely mm -hmm. but when i started to understand that spirituality was less about what you be like believe in out there and more about what you believe in inside Mm -hmm. um and how you can project that outwards that's when i started you know, you know just caring about different ways of thinking of being in the world like i really like buddhism like i don't consider myself a buddhist because you know i don't like to consider myself anything but i find that there's a lot of humility in buddhism like the idea that like we we as ourselves are like we're we're constantly changing phenomenon and that we don't necessarily know what our what the plan for life is and that we just kind of have to be like embody embody the present moment and try not to um and try not to try not to play god really mm -hmm. no i love that um no, and I think that's kind of like uh, a little bit of my view too. <laughs> I like how you kind of went down the same path so many people go down, or it's mm -hmm. like when they're a teenager and it's, are in like university or college, you kind of go down that like atheist uh, phase of like, eh, screw all of that uh, religious shit. But then like, I don't know, it feels like so many people eventually have to come back like, uh, and like, I know what you're saying. It doesn't mean you have to go back to any organized religion or like straight up dogma, but like, it feels like you do have to come back and have some sort of spirituality a little bit. Like it just, all right, all right I just see so many people do it because it feels like it's a healthier thing. Like 
the like I think the older you get, the more life experience you get, you kind of realize you need these uh you need something because like something feels like it's missing, I think. Yeah, and like particularly for uh people I know who have struggled with uh substance abuse. There's a common thread of having had this kind of existential anxiety and this um confusion as to like what your place is in the world and like um <clears throat> and just and that and when you have these kind of deeper this deeper hole inside of you it's like you take it takes more to fill it and mm. i think you take away the substance and you still need something to f they like to call it a god-sized hole in aa but mm -hmm. you know the the expression the expression aside i feel like there is this 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 hole in terms of like this need for meaning and connectedness and um and purpose that uh that in many ways religion can kind of come in and fill in those gaps for a lot of people but um for me i needed to find ways of thinking about those things that 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 made sense uh, that made sense to me you know? um, yeah because I, I don't think you could trick yourself into like i believing. tried so hard but yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't work <laughs> i mean i mean and like especially when i think when like just when i think about kind of the uh, monotheistic sort of conception of god i find it one of the least interesting types of god um mm -hmm. I, I like the I I enjoy the sort of Spinoza idea that God is everything and everything is God and that everything that has life is essentially a part of um the life force like the that is God, you know, like mm -hmm. God is the universe and we are part of the universe and we are part of God and all that kind of stuff. I kinda like that idea philosophically. Um but I also think about like the jealous boyfriend model of God, you know, like the kind of like, you shall have no other gods before you. And I'm like, that's really petty, you know? Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of thinking like, if you were really like the, like the divine creator of everything, would you really have to worry about like, you know, people flirting with some other gods? It's like, the, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, the, I was thinking about like the jealous boyfriend conception is sort of like, you know, when you have that boyfriend who doesn't want you to have any other dudes on your Facebook or whatever, you know, and it's like, but if there actually was a divine, all-powerful creature that knew everything and created everything and intended everything, wouldn't have he known and created and intended all the other gods too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? So, anyways, I, and I really like thinking about these things. I find it fun, but I also don't think that it's my job to find the answers anymore. You know, mm. I just think it's an interesting like type of engagement with the world. But like, it's it's sort of like the ability to take the pressure off myself. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like that. Uh, so, like, uh, what would you? Uh, I was thinking. What would you kind of say, like, is kind of like our society's like misconceptions about addicts now that like that you've kind of been in and out of rehab so much. You've like probably seen so many people have to deal with their own addictions. Like, uh, like, do you have any kind of mixed misconceptions, like how society looks at addiction? <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I really do think that we've come a long way in terms of having kind of compassion for like uh, for people with addictions, but it also depends what addictions, right? I feel like people you know, there, there's a lot of representation of alcoholics in the media that are able to find recovery. Right? Mm -hmm. But um, you think about people who are like doing crack, for example, they don't get as much positive, um, positive media representation, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, there or like or meth or things like that. Like those are still so addiction in and of itself. I think it's also uh, understood as being more of a continuum addiction that like a lot of people you know that Anyone with a cell phone can can understand the phenomenon of compulsive behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of helps people to um, understand it a little bit more. But I still think it is baffling to see people do something over and over again that they say they don't want to do, but they keep on fucking doing it. You know, yeah. like it's, it's it's a hard thing to explain. And I think the disease model of addiction has helped and not helped too. You know, like, you know, like now people accept that addiction is a disease, uh, you know, substance use disorder is in the DSM, but something being a disease can also, doesn't always make, can also make people more afraid of it, you know, because it feels more, 
resilient in that way. But, you know, it's better than the alternative of it being a moral failing. And I get, and I also think the misunderstandings changes depending on what population you're looking at too. You know, like, I think people can understand like somebody who was like traumatized in their childhood um, and they grow up and they abuse drugs and, you know, we feel compassion for those types of people. But then there are other kind of profiles of people who like, like, let's say just average white guy, Joe, who, um, you know, who seems to have had whatever he, he needed in his life and then grows up and abuses drug, abuses cocaine and beats his wife. We tend to have, you know, less compassion for like how, like, for why the person is expressing themselves through addiction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and not that I think we should necessarily just be like, okay, Joe, keep beating your wife. But, you know, <laughs> at the same time, like uh, uh, Gabor Mate, like really popularized the idea of addiction as a response to trauma. Um, mm-hmm. I always felt really shitty about that when I was in rehab, because I'm like, I'm not sure if I have a full on trauma, you know, like maybe I need a couple more years of being, I got some eventually, but. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go get a, get yeah, a trauma. Yeah, yeah. I went out and got yeah. myself some trauma. But, um, <laughs> but at the time, I think I just had like distress, you know? So I'm like, well, if I don't have like a reason to be an addict, like a, a, like my parents were good people, you know, mm-hmm. like I, and they did their best. And, you know, I had some garden variety, like low key bullying, but who didn't? Um, but I was like, well, if I don't have this trauma that everyone speaks of, then I just must be a bad person. Right. Mm. So I think it's also interesting the way we talk about trauma in that it can qualify you or not qualify you for certain forms of suffering and certain forms of, you know, um, you know, and for me, a lot of, a lot of it is, I just think I came into the world really sensitive and it wouldn't have mattered kind of what happened to me. I think like since I, I feel like I had the, these needs that were too big for my ability to understand them at the time. Mm. So I just had to make them go away in a weird way, you know, and I don't, and I don't feel like it's because it's because of anything that happened to me necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of things happened to me because of it. So there's almost yeah. like this reverse, like reverse kind of thing. No, I get that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. And uh, no, I, that's actually a good point. I know how you're saying, like, I love Gabber Mate. I love how his whole, um, how he's kind of popularized the whole idea of like trauma leading to a lot of these uh, kind of uh, addictions or whatever, mental health issues, like autoimmune diseases, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I get that. But I also understand that whole idea of like, oh now I'm like what is my trauma where why like uh, like oh shit like I, I honestly I kind of felt the same way sometimes where like I like have had like so much like anxiety that I've dealt with throughout my life and like I remember kind of reading that and uh, reading like Gab or Mate and like other books as well and kind of getting that idea of like how a lot of this can come from like trauma that you experience in your life and then also thinking myself like god damn like I lived like such a middle class really nice life I feel like I feel like my problems aren't that like bad at all and anything but I still do have this like anxiety sometimes that's like sometimes could be like very overpowering and like sometimes I end up like using alcohol especially to like numb it but yeah, I, I remember hearing that and like thinking, what the fuck's my trauma? <laughs> like, and there's like, is there something in there? Is there something I forgot? Did I forget it? And like, I, I know that feeling. And um, I, I do think it is one of those things where it's just like, I don't know if it's like a different kind of form of trauma our bodies have, or just like what we kind of absorb from our society on like almost expectations and shit like that, that kind of get into us and into our psyche that we kind of become like very hard on ourselves. Like, and I think, Mm. I I think for me personally, that's kind of where I was on it. Like, cause those feelings of inadequacy, I think drove a ton of my anxiety. And uh, yeah. And I think that came a lot from a lot from like society. I think like, of like, what am I supposed to do? And then like kind of going down the comedy, uh, 
pipeline is where I kind of went down like all of a sudden it's just like I'm in a completely different uh, field of all of my friends and all of that shit so like all of a sudden I, I think that kind of drove it but uh, there's no when you point at it there's no like oh there's a trauma comes from there or mm. from that it's, you know it does there's none of that shit it's just mm. like over time like uh, all of these uh, kind of feelings kind of uh, yeah kind of just piling on top of each other but yeah yeah and if you find a strategy to make the feelings you don't like go away or meet your needs, like it doesn't like your, your, your body and mind don't really care that they're not good ways of meeting those needs. Like, for example, like if I, you know, if I, if I have these feelings of anxiety or of not being in pace with my peers or of uncertainty and I drink and those feelings go away. Yeah, sure, the, the negative consequences still happen, but all my body and mind knows is that, like, this activity makes those needs go, like, fills those needs even even just momentarily. So, um, and I think that that just becomes a self-reinforcing thing, you know, and I don't think that anyone needs to have had um, a, a particular biography to to start to, to condition themselves to meet their needs in ways that are that are unhealthy you see the same thing with like with with violence you see the same thing with um with with other types of addictions like gambling or eating or sex mm -hmm. um you know it so yeah even certain forms of 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 like mental mental illness for example sometimes you know there there can be depressions of anxiety and 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 depression that meet your needs like your need to like you you talked about like being in comedy and how you know you were trying to prove yourself in the world differently from your friends and everything like that and um you know i you know i th i think a lot about the desire to just n not have to play the game anymore you know like to be like i'm trying so hard to prove myself and i'm trying so hard to like be different in the way that I like, you know, like myself too. I really wanted to be a, you know, I really wanted to make something happen in my life artistically. Um, but then when this, I, it wasn't happening or it wasn't <clears throat> happening fast enough, or I started to feel like maybe it never would, you know, being sick when some, in some ways was a solution to the problem of that, you know, and I'm, I'm not meaning to say that people develop you know, mental illness or addiction on purpose, but mm -hmm. it also meets this need to not have the world expect things of you. Yeah. And to yeah. not have you expect things of you. Mm -hmm. that, that can become like this ingrained thing too. It's like, I would get her to rehab and I would feel all this pressure and all this fear and all this confusion. And then like, I knew if I dr started drinking again, I would become an invalid. No one would expect anything of me. Like I would be a sick person again. Mm. And sick people get taken care of. Mm. Sick people are, you know, like, you know, it, when you're sick, it's not your fault, you know? Like, you know, I go to the hospital and get my little scrambled eggs in a cup and my little sippy cup of, of apple juice and, you know, and be like, don't expect anything of me, world. Yeah, no, that's a... Uh... Yeah, that's very true. That's honestly, that's a very good uh, insight as well. Like, uh, I I, I kind of know that exact feeling. Sometimes I, I I know that feeling of like being a little sick and just being like, kind of like relieved, like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about anything right now. I'm sick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, uh, Tara, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I got one more question. It's the name of the podcast. I think you kind of went through it a little bit, but I'll <laughs> ask it once again. Uh, Tara Boyce. God, yay or nay? Well, you know, once again, I'd have to say which one. You know, I kind of <laughs> like a lot of the, I think a lot of the Greek gods are pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I can get down with the sort of um, vengeful, petty gods. I, I feel like humanity reflects those ones a little more. <laughs> and even, I think it was the Kabbalah that had this idea that we were once all God and God was all. And then at some point, God shattered into a million pieces or however many pieces and we as you know part of this broken divinity we have to kind of put back together these broken pieces of God mm. and philosophically I find that to be absolutely beautiful but um and I can't really say you Renee because I feel like if your connection to whatever you think God is makes you a better person 
then yay. But, you know, if you think God is the reason why it's okay to like beat up homosexuals, then nay. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like that, that kind of like cheap trick where like, you know, these like unfalsifiable ways of knowing or this, or this alibi for, for bad behavior. Mm. And I was like, well, well, God said it's okay. You know, it's like, yeah, but yeah. So yay and nay, depending on the context. But I would also argue that it's unfortunate that there's not as much kind of organized secular spirituality and the idea of community around religion and having a shared narrative. I don't think we've really solved that problem yet in terms of, you know, the gap that is left by the absence of having a religious society, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's actually, uh, that's actually a hundred percent something I think about as well, because mm. I, I think that's, also something that's going to help us almost yeah. as a society like because it does seem like there is like a lot of uh like there is a mental health crisis i would Absolutely. say yeah and like it does seem like so many people are just having like a lot of issues like just struggling right now and uh mm. i i do think a little bit of a bigger community but it has to be something like i think now like just with how our society is it has to be secular and it um yeah, it has to be something that like can bring meaning to a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. and, just the way, yeah. you know, people would go to church on Sunday every day, like people would just go to their kind of like, I don't know, spiritual community center every Sunday and meet with meet with people who cared about, you know, in engaging with life meaningfully and just talk about it, you know, like that, that would be such a beautiful thing, but we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just have a bad feeling it's going to be like the military or something. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> we asked for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, uh, Tara, thanks so much. Um, let my audience know about your uh, podcast and anything else you want to uh, promote. Uh, please let them know now. Uh, nah, that's about it. Uh, it's, you know, Addicted to Recovery, the interactive memoir. It's kind of like a podcast and an audiobook in one. But um, other than that, no, I'm, I'm, that's, that's kind of my, other than going to school right now, that's sort of my thing. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate it. What are you going to school for? Uh, social work. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah, kind of in the same line of, you know, trying to leverage all the knowledge I, I absorbed on the inside of these institutions to kind of like pay it forward a little. Hey, well, I'm pretty sure that'll give you a lot of meaning, hopefully, in life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nah, thanks so much, Tara. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often. Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.